The last Bundesliga ball has been kicked for 2022, so the podcast is back to round up all the action from the Austrian football of the last few weeks. This is The Other Bundesliga Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Midler, and I'm joined by the full team today. Lee Wingate and Simon Clark are here for our end-of-year roundup pod. We're all together in our usual comfortable home, the Long Hall Pub and Kitchen in Vienna. Get on down here for some good food and drink options if you're in the capital, or if you're coming over to Austria from abroad to watch some games perhaps next year. It's a good spot to book a table, and you can watch the World Cup in a fine establishment too in the next few weeks and months, if you're into that sort of thing, of course. But uh, talking of watching games... It's been a bit of a marathon month or so for us. Simon, I'll start with you. Where have you been watching some games lately? Well, uh, it hasn't been too many Austrian games. But, uh, but, but this weekend, uh, we, we went to the, the Tivoli Stadion in Innsbruck to watch uh, VSK Tirol against Esfau Reed. But before that, I went on a two-week holiday around the, the Middle East and I watched uh, Al Jazeera against Al Russell in the UAE Pro League. It ended 2-0. Uh, it wasn't the best to game who? I've ever two seen. 2 to who? Al Jazeera, of course. Um, I thought that was a newspaper. No, it's a, it's a, a Qatari TV TV channel, yeah, okay. which is uh, apt for the upcoming World Cup. But yeah, it wasn't the best game I've, I've ever seen, but it was a cool ground. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think those are the only two games I've, I've been to over the last six weeks because of my holidays and whatever. So yeah. Work, work, work. And work, yeah, work, work, work ahead of the World <laughs> Cup. <laughs> Don't want to sound like Rihanna, but yeah, yeah, work, 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 work. work. <laughs> Lee, what about you? You've, uh, I know you've been to one of those games because you were there with Sai, but yeah. you've been to some others as well, right? Sai has alarmingly glossed over the exploits that we went through to get to Innsbruck for one day, which, as we know, is, is not the closest city to Vienna. I think that was a 770-kilometre round trip in one day, uh, eight and a half hours on the train, all for three memorable minutes... Um, which we'll come on to a bit later. And, and Wait, I, I don't know what's going on here. Three memorable <laughs> minutes of what? Oh, Very much of football, Tom. Um, and then 87 minutes of Simon and me sitting there being like, not much to tweet about, really. Ah, I see, I see. You're being discreet because we'll cover that in the pod. Uh, we'll uh, break this pod up into somewhat uh, different departments. Bundesliga top six, perhaps, and, and Bundesliga bottom six as well. We'll look at some other things too. Um, any other tales to share with us from, from your long day trip to Innsbruck? Is, that's just the kind of thing you don't do in England, do you? Like, do you know, a 700-kilometre round trip for one day? I mean, some hardcore away fans do, but... Definitely not on the train because <laughs> there'd be too many replacement bus services in the way. Um, I don't know, we, we did have a nice day. Simon was very, very disappointed about the Goldener's Dach, the, the Golden Roof in Innsbruck, which is one of its main tourist attractions, which, which he, he stood in front of and proclaimed, this is a, a two out of ten tourist attraction. So. <laughs> it really is. I was expecting something much more than, than what was there. And um, yeah, it, it is a two out of ten. I, I, yeah, I really think it is. But Innsbruck as a city was like after. So when we first came, I said this, this looks this looks like a really nice place because my first time in Innsbruck after seven years in Austria, which is a mad. The fact it took that long to get there in the first place is insane. That is insane because it's, for you yeah. as well. You're, you're quite a big traveller. I'm, I'm yeah. very surprised that you've never been to Innsbruck before. Yeah, but like uh, I was very impressed by the city. Uh, it's quite small, much smaller than I thought. 
but no, it was uh, definitely a, a great city, but a, <laughs> that was a 2 out of 10 tourist attraction. I think it's only over, just over 100,000 people, like last census or something. I might have increased by now, but I've been to Innsbruck many times. I was actually there recently as well on one of my travels. Um, I stopped there on the way. Uh, down to Milan it's sort of roughly halfway to Milan if you're doing Milan on the train and I like to try and do sort of long journeys around Europe on the train these days um, but I do you know what? it's a bit controversial but I do agree with you Simon that the, the golden roof the goldenest dach in Innsbruck it's I mean it's quite nice but it's, it's in shadow for a lot of the day as well so you sort of walk past it I, I did snap the obligatory photo of it quickly but I was like why am I doing this I felt bad doing it I felt dirty I'm like I'm not going to put it on, on the Instagram I'm not why am I doing it like why do I feel like I have to take a photo of this the Just Instagram like, the gram granddad you know? <laughs> the tick the tuck I just felt like you have to take a picture of it but it's much better in Innsbruck to take a picture of the river with with all the beautiful colored houses on the other side you've got the mountains in the background it's a very lovely city but I'm glad you guys made it. Yeah, I mean, that was absolutely beautiful. But also, it didn't help with the uh, 2 out of 10 golden roof that there was one of the worst Christmas markets I've ever seen in front of it, which was under construction as well. So you couldn't get a good picture either. So, oh, no. yeah, Innsbruck, you know, maybe I'll go back in a, in a couple of weeks and it'll be all beautiful and Christmassy. But if you're listening to this, Innsbruck definitely should be on your bucket list if you come to Austria anyway, by the way. Like, don't let this put you off. Innsbruck absolutely should be on that list. Um, you guys hopefully had a better experience than me at the Tivoli, though, because the last time I went to the Tivoli, I went to see Vaca Innsbruck against Rapide and I had to queue up to get tickets um, for, for one of the stands. And I was there in, in plenty of time. I was, I was cutting it a little bit fine, you know, as I am wont to do. But I don't know what you mean, Tom. <laughs> but by the time I got my tickets and got into the ground, to, to my horror, it was already, after four minutes of play, it was Vaca Innsbruck 2, Rapide 0. <laughs> I literally got into the ground like are you kidding me and then it was goalless for most of the rest of the game and I was like yeah of course it is of course it's goalless and uh, it ended up uh, Vaca 2 Rapid 1 and Rapid fans were like throwing fireworks over the back of the stand um, from outside and they sort of rushed over the barriers and like ran down the side of the pitch at one point there were riot police involved it was quite it was quite an eye-opening affair this this was this was like the best part of a decade ago. But yeah, that, that, that burned me for being late to a football, football game. Never again will I queue up for tickets, you know, 10, 15 minutes before kickoff. Unless it's at the Stade de France, right? Oh God, they don't even talk about the Stade de France. Or Wiesler Krakow. Remember we, we queued up at Wiesler Krakow for about two hours and got in at like halfway through the game somehow, despite being really early? Never mind. Uh, should we talk about some more uh, positive football things and uh, some, some more positive experiences? Potentially... Even the World Cup, you know, the World Cup's upon us now. Austria are not there, but Simon has a little twinkle in his eye over on my left because I happen to know that Simon's found a link between Austria and uh, this year's World Cup. So, Si, what have you got to tell us about, um, about Austria's links to, to World Cup 2022? Well, there isn't just a single link. There are 24 links to the World Cup with uh, 24 players playing for 13 countries who are linked with Austria in some way playing uh, in the competition. So you, you have players who were actually born in Austria, there are two. Uh, I might use that as a quiz question in a second. There's two players playing for the host country as well. And there's four players who are currently playing in the Austrian Bundesliga. So maybe I can start with that third question. Who are the, who are the four players currently playing in the Austrian Bundesliga who uh, have been called up? Let That's me a have one. a go, because you yeah. haven't asked me this question since we were on the train back from Innsbruck. So, Lee, you're um, good at these things. I, I trust you. This is incapable hands here. No, they're all, they're all Salzburg, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll hand this over to Tom, because you did ask me on the, on the train on the way back. All Salzburg. Is Moritz Kiergaard in the Denmark squad? No. 
No. Yeah, I'm a bit surprised. That's a good squad if they can leave a player. Of the, I know he's young, but if, if he's not getting in the Danish squad, that's, that's Hotly pretty tipped. impressive. Hotly tipped. Yeah. Um, okay, let me, let me think through this. It's going to be the Swiss players, isn't it? Uh, Kern, the goalkeeper, yep. is in the squad. Um, Noah so Okafor is two. in the squad as well. Is that all for Switzerland? That's all for Switzerland, yes. Uh, Germany, do they have any players in the Germany squad? No. No. Nope. Um, Balkan to Tom Adeyemi was very close to being but of course you know, ah, yeah true Adeyemi they went for Mukoko instead up front for, for Germany didn't they um, Adeyemi's in the squad as well by the way yeah. oh of course yeah. he's in the squad yeah, he doesn't play <laughs> Salzburg anymore obviously yeah um, oh I'm not very good at these quiz questions live on the pod um, Croatia they must have a player in the Croatia squad do they have uh, Sucic yeah. in the Croatia squad get in Rasmus Christensen has left. He's in the Danish squad there, right? Mm. So he's an ex-Bundesligist. Mm. <laughs> this is terrible. I feel the pressure of the world weighing down upon me. Strahinja Pavlovic. Strahinja Pavlovic. Yeah, he's been one of their one of the outstanding players this season as well. So fair play. Should have got that earlier. Yep. So there's four Austrian Bundesliga players who will be playing in the World Cup. But um, some of the more notable names, the host Qatar, Almoiz Ali, had a very brief stint in Austria back in 2015-2016. Of course, he was the top scorer in the Asia Cup in 2019. Tom, who did he play for in Austria? Uh, Lask, I think. Correct. I, you know, I knew that because I, I had to research him once for the Asian Champions League. I'm the commentator for the Asian Champions League in English, or one of the commentators, I should say, not the only one. But um, yeah, Al Moez Ali came up in my research before with his, his link to Lask. I was, I was very pleased. <laughs> yeah, and of course, a lot of the old Salzburg... Uh, players uh, Sadio Mane, Aronson, Christensen, Upamecano, uh, Adeyemi, Minamino, a whole ton of them who will be representing their countries in the World Cup. But um, of course, there are two players who are actually born in Austria. I know Mateo Kovacic is like the, the famous one who's born in Linz, right? But And you've already mentioned him, the, the other one. Huh? Who's this? I don't, I'm terrible at these things. Lee, have is a go. Suchic? It is Suchic. Ah, Suchic. Yeah. yeah, well done. Yeah, so Mateo Kovacic and uh, Luka Suchic are both uh, born in Austria. So two players representing Austria on the international stage, both love for these, Croatia. Love these stats. Have you got any more tenuous World Cup links for us? Um, there are two Cameroonian players who played at Altac in 2017. They're in the squad. <laughs> that was a quiz question, but there's um, Umgamulu and Umgue, who are, I think Umgue is the more notable name there. Oh, I'm pleased um, to him. He was... He was injured a fair Ungamulu. amount if I remember Ungamulu only played like a few times for them so that'd be a very difficult I, I question I confess I don't even remember that name to be honest <laughs> Ungue I remember though Samuel Ungue but yeah there's Fair quite way. quite a lot of players as well yeah so um if you're looking for a team to support in the World Cup and you're from Austria maybe Croatia are your team but, <laughs> but of course you it, think so <laughs> no I remember maybe I mean two players born in Austria playing for them so why not yeah fair enough I think on that note, we'll take a quick break after the introductions. We'll have a sip of our beers, our, our fine beers here from the Long Hall, and uh, we'll crack on with looking at how the top six of the Bundesliga is shaping up um, after 16 games and a big long break ahead of us. So the winter break is finally here. It's an extraordinarily long winter break, which actually ties into one of the questions. Why don't we jump straight into that question, actually, before we even look at any of the teams? Because we've got several questions to sprinkle throughout this podcast. Thank you very much to everybody who wrote in on Twitter and, uh, and suggested a question for us. It gets, our, you know, it gets our thinking caps on before we come to record. Basically, is the winter break too long? That was from Culture of Football Classics. Great Twitter account. Is the winter break excessive this year? Um, I mean, obviously, we've got the World Cup and then we've got a long break and the World Cup has sort of messed up the season for a lot of people. But 
Is it excessive? It's the, the longest winter break since the, the turn of the century. 88 days is a long time. Obviously, it's because of the, the World Cup in large part. I would argue it's not excessive if you've ever been to an Austrian football match with Simon in wintertime. Um, <laughs> uh, a regular complainer about temperatures, be they hot or cold. Yes, uh, it's got to be the perfect middle ground. So in, in that respect, definitely, I think it's warranted. Um, I don't know if it causes a little bit of a lack of continuity in the season because then you get the Bundesliga resuming sort of early mid-February and straight away the European games are upon us. I suppose that's not uh, overly advantageous for the Austrian teams, but I think we've just got used to it now, haven't we? It's always a longer winter break than a summer one. It's just part and parcel of the calendar here. I agree. Honestly, I have to say, it was a lovely day in Linz the other day. I didn't mention some of the other travels I've done. I've done tons of clubs recently. I've done second division grounds like Vorwärtssteier. Um, I did San Siro. I did the, the Allianz at Bayern Munich. But I was also at the last Bundesliga game at the Pasching Raiffeisen Arena. And even though it was a beautiful, clear blue sky, lovely day, it was still, it was absolutely freezing. And I was very thankful for my Olympics gloves so I can keep my gloves on and still use my phone. <laughs> they've, got the, they've got the things on the fingertips. I was already like, ah, yeah, it's like, it's like ski underwear time, isn't it? So I, I did think, wait, we're, we're cutting off early this year. It's only November. How did we used to do the games in sort of mid-December? I don't even know. So I, I, I'm not going to miss Under great it. strain. Yeah. 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 I'll miss the football, but I'm also okay to be sitting at home. Um, so if we think about the break being almost 90 days long, which teams went into it on, on fine form? Who doesn't want there to be a break right now? And who's going to be desperate to, uh, to take stock over the winter and, uh, and restart? The top six looks like this. Salzburg, six points ahead of Sturm. And then you've got Lask, Rapid Vienna, VSG Tirol and Austria Klagenfurt. They're all above the line at the moment. Six rounds left before that line gets cut off. But let's look at some of those teams. And I suppose... Why not start with Salzburg? They had the lion's share of the players involved in the World Cup, of course. Um, but also, they lead the Bundesliga on pretty much every metric. Where do you want to kick off with, uh, with Red Bull Salzburg? It's just better and younger every year, isn't it? That's, that seems to be the theme with Salzburg. They, in the last few weeks, they have twice broken the Bundesliga record for the youngest starting eleven ever. Um, recently had one with an average age of, of 21 years and 109 days. And they've, you know, just won uh, seven away games on the bounce. Matthias Jessler is only the second Salzburg coach to do that. So it just seems that as the years go by, Salzburg seem to surpass themselves. And uh, we're left in a position where the prospect of a title race just looks more and more distant every season, sadly. And that brings us to two questions that we got answered. Mike said, can Sturm keep up the pressure? Are Red Bull Salzburg inevitable? And uh, so rare Austria Astro said, um, he said something else about Lustenau, which we'll get to later, but he also asked, are Salzburg weaker than last year? And I'd argue that's quite a, that's quite a nuanced question, quite an interesting question, I think. Are Salzburg weaker than last season? Uh, yes, I think, is uh, that's what I would say. Because you look at the Salzburg seasons past where they're scoring for fun, this Salzburg team is very attritional. They're winning 1-0, 2-1s. They aren't blowing teams apart like the teams of, of Jesse Marsh, for example. So I think they are weaker, but maybe the, the, the whole league is weaker at the same time. It's not the, the, the glory days of 2019 or maybe even last season where we had teams go, go, going very deep in Europe. Maybe the European uh, exploits this year have shown that. So I think, yes, even though the record of like having seven away wins in a row is great, it's not against as good a 
caliber of league. But that might be controversial. Lee, what do you think? I agree with that. I don't think they're as good, but they just have this consistency where even if they're not firing on all cylinders, they get the results. And then you're relying on their other competitors to have that same degree of consistency. Unfortunately, Sturm Graz have drawn their last two games, which you know means they, they would have been going into the winter break only two points behind had it had they managed to to win those. As it is, it's six, and even with the points cut in half, it's hard to imagine anything anything other than than Salzburg winning. What would it be this year? A tenth in a row, an eleventh? It's almost hard to gauge now. I think it would be a tenth this year. It just sort of uh, isn't even a question anymore, is it? So sort of in terms of how many, but um, yeah, I think they will win it again this year. I think it's an interesting question about are they weaker, and, and I'm interested to hear that you both say that the league is uh, weaker because it, it has been, it is sort of closer in a way. I think if you look all the way down the table, that the teams at the bottom are not adrift this year. Um, conversely, somehow the battle in the middle is close, but it's not quite as incredibly close as it has been. But I think everybody is a bit closer this year. The exception to that is Sturm, who are in a league of their own in second. And they actually were keeping Salzburg honest for very large parts of this season. As you say, since that European exit a couple of weeks ago, they drew their last two, which is not in itself a, a, a terrible shame, you know, just drawing two games is not that bad, but... Uh, that has dropped them off the pace a little bit. I think for me with Salzburg, I think their strengths are weaker than they have been in previous seasons, but their weaknesses are perhaps stronger than they have been in the last couple of years. I look at defenders like Pavlovich, who we mentioned, who I forgot, in fact, in the World Cup ranking, but he's on my list of people who've really impressed me this season. I love the way Pavlovich carries the ball forward. He's one of those players. Uh, a, a couple of times, uh, what's the right word? They call him like a, an energie and file. I don't know if I've got the word right there or not, where he sort of pumps energy into a team when they start looking a little bit flat. And that's very impressive that a defensive player can do that. He's on the ball. You know, sometimes you look up near the halfway line and you think, oh, which long ball do I play or whatever? He's just like doing that thing where you're playing on FIFA and you, you've got the goalie in control or whatever. And you're just like, no, I'm just going to run forward and I'm going to do it. And he really does that. He breezes past players and then passes off to somebody else and, and, and earns, you know, makes goals for Salzburg. So Pavlovich has been great. Soleil has been leading sort of statistics-wise in terms of his performance ratings for, for a long time. Soleil's looked very good and also in the Champions League. Um, Capaldo got injured and they missed him a lot. They had to play different, a different style of football without Capaldo. Um, Fernando as well uh, was, is missing. And they don't have like an out-and-out top scorer this year like they've had in previous years. I mean, Junior Adamu and Noah Okafor have both got seven goals, which is not a bad rating at all. But when you look at the goals and assists, Salzburg haven't got anybody near the top. But then Philipp Kuhn, their goalkeeper, is probably stronger than previous years. Their defence is stronger than previous years. Um, and you mentioned, you know, winning seven away from home in a row. They're seven points clear if you look at the away table. And you just, you can't argue with it, basically, can you? They've got an XG of 32.9. How many goals have they scored this season? 32.9. <laughs> Which would be? 33. It would be 33, and that's how many they've scored. So they're, they're bang Efficient. on. Efficient. <laughs> yeah, they're just, they're just they're hitting the nail on the head, I suppose, aren't they? I would say that, that Sturm are more consistent than they have been before. I looked at their points tallies the past couple of seasons after 16 matches. They are better off than both of the last seasons. I feel they are taking steps forward. They were incredibly unlucky in that European group to finish bottom and go out of a group in which every team finished on eight points, which is just mind-boggling, really. Um, I like the phrasing, they were level on points with the leader. Yeah. And they got they went out of it. You know, they're level on points with the leader. Well, it's like such fine margins. I mean, we, one extra draw, one extra point, and they, they win the group. You know, it's, it's mad. Of course it's not. It's we, we were hoping for, you know, a third place in the conference league for them. So it, it is, uh, 
yeah, pretty heart wrenching that they've that they've gone out. But I think they are looking the best team in Austria. You look at Lask, for example, and they started so brightly and then they've really quite considerably fallen away. I think there's quite a big connection in terms of Marian Lubacic's form. Any listeners to this podcast may remember how much we were all, you as well, Si, weren't you raving about him at the, at the start of the season? And he's really, really fallen off a cliff. He scored six goals in his first five league games when Lask were flying. He's only scored three in the last nine. Um, and I think that their form really seems to be <laughs> quite closely tied to, to how he was firing up front. And they, they have fallen away. So Sturm very much second best at the moment. And you'd expect them to finish the, the campaign second, I'd say. I think so. It's, it's been a very good season for Sturm so far. It, you know, there's a, been a few disappointments along the way. But I was at their last game just the other day against Lask away. They drew 1-1 against a decent Lask side. You know, it's, uh, it's not easy second against third. And their fans held up a banner at the end saying, thanks for the great autumn, basically. And you don't see that in Austria very often. The fans are, are very critical of their teams and, and they get on the back of their teams very quickly if things are going wrong. So I think that says a lot about the perception of how Sturm are doing. Um, just to go and look at them in sort of relation to the teams around them, Salzburg above, Lask below, Sturm are top of the home table, which is a very, very good effort. They've only lost one game all season. They're unbeaten away from home as well. They're top of the home table and they're unbeaten away from home. You know, they're not doing much wrong here. And the interesting thing, I said that Salzburg have got two scorers on seven, but, you know, they rely on uh, a mix of players. They don't have an out-and-out uh, Haaland, for example, an Adeyemi or Dakar, somebody who's just scoring for fun in the Bundesliga. Uh, they're sharing it around a bit more. But talking about sharing it around... Sturm have got top scorer Omega now on four. Hoyland is still their second top scorer on three, and he was sold ages ago. But they've got 17 different goal scorers, which is a Bundesliga record by a mile. 17 different scorers this season. Basically, their, their top scorers list is just like a bunch of players who've scored one or two. Can you name what the all-time record is for different scorers? Because it was is in our time <laughs> covering the pod. Is this at the end of a season? Yeah, by the end of a season. Oof. Um, is it Salzburg? It was, I'm is surprised. Like tw- 22 or something? 2019 to 20 and they had 19 so 19. Sturm are not all that far away from... they've got 17 already yeah you know they might they might be on to beat that it's very remarkable 17 goal scorers and, and 26 goals that's quite some record you mentioned there Tom the the fact that you know we have the home table and the away table which are handily broken down on the Austrian Bundesliga website so you can clearly see the the difference in form I also had a look today at the first half table and the second half table (laughs) and this is an unbelievable contrast because can you guess who's top of the first half table uh, often it's like rapid in these things. They're, they're somehow brilliant in, in like the 15-minute table yeah. or whatever. Who is it this time? It's, it's Lask. Okay. So Lask are first in the first half table. Where are Lask in the second half table? 11th, 12th? 9th. 9th, okay. That is an unbelievable contrast in form. So, yeah, I think that kind of explains where they might be going wrong. I love that. So, you know, you get a, a thing in Austria, you get like the, you're the Herbstmeister, the, the champion of the autumn if you're, if you're top after the first half of fixtures or maybe in the Christmas break, the winter break, depending on, depending on the league. Do, can we have like a first half Meister as well? <laughs> a 45 Meister, I don't know. <laughs> it will definitely, I quite like that. It would definitely be Lask. But yeah, ninth in the second half. 
Yeah, that's that's just a huge difference, isn't it? Because most of these things are sort of borne out. Like I said that Salzburg are top of every metric. You know, they're top of the away table. They're, they've conceded fewer goals than everyone else. They've kept the most clean sheets. They've won the most games by a mile as well. They've won 12 games and Sturm have won nine. That's a pretty big difference. And Sturm's nine is quite impressive. But, you know, three games, it's, it's a huge difference. Salzburg have kept nine clean sheets. I think Sturm have kept six as well. So it's still a, a, a pretty long way away and that means even if the points had been close and the points were you know two or three points difference between Sturm and Salzburg the stats suggest that Salzburg are actually still quite comfortably ahead of Sturm and and one more superlative for Salzburg they have got an xg against of 11.2 which is the best and they've only conceded nine so not only is their xg against the best they've conceded fewer than that so they're really functioning very very well in Sturm's case, I just want to give Sturm a bit more love before we move further down the table because Sturm are looking so comfortable right now. They're looking in such a good position. I mentioned the fans are happy, but they've come out with some figures in the last few days that they've got 6,500 season ticket holders now. They're looking to increase that. They reckon it might be seven uh, after in the new year in 2023, so 7,000 plus, which is a very, very respectable number in Austria. They've kept hold of Christian Ilzer, who was... Uh, you know, the potentially, potentially being lured away earlier on in the season. But Sturm have got a project here, which is worth sticking with. And Christian Ilzer knows that and sees it. He's sticking around, uh, theoretically. We might look stupid by the end of the winter break. Who knows? But it seems like he's sticking around. Andreas Schicker, the sport director, sporting director, he's also been rumoured to be going elsewhere, uh, including Rapid, interestingly. But he's just put pen to paper on a new deal for a few more years. Um, and he's been a major factor in them signing the likes of Rasmus Hoyland and earning big bucks out of it. And I wouldn't be all that surprised, you know, if they can dot a few I's and cross a few T's in the Graz administration offices, I wouldn't be all that surprised if they end up investing that money into a new stadium or something of, along those lines in the near future. You know, I was there for the Sturm Graz against Giacar Cup tie. And you can tell it's, you know, it's a great stadium, the Merkur in, in Graz, but it needs... It needs an overhaul. You know, if we look at last, they're getting a new stadium, a beautiful new stadium. If Sturm could do something similar, it could change the future of the club in the next few years. And they definitely do look the most likely to be chasing down Salzburg in Fennis, whereas Lask looked like they were in that position a couple of years ago. Talking of Lask and Lubicic, we got a question from Johnny on Twitter. He said, can Lask afford Lubicic? This refers to the fact that their top scorer, Marin Lubicic, is on uh, a loan deal from Hajduk Split, I believe, in Croatia, with an option to buy, despite his Hajduk contract running for quite a few more years. And uh, the sporting director of LASK, Radovan Vujanovic, said uh, he's delighted that they've got the, uh, the option to buy. So, so will they be able to afford him after you know, his nine-goal start to the season so far? I mean, he has tailed off a lot recently, as we said. I think it's more, it's a question of, I mean, do Lask have the resources given that they've spent so much money on this new stadium, which is going to be unveiled in uh, February, isn't it? It really depends. I don't know how much he would cost. Obviously, that would largely be dictated by form. But we know that in the Austrian Bundesliga, players that are bought, that are not bought by Salzburg, you know, the, the figures you're talking are, are not really usually higher than a million. How much do you think he would cost them? Do you know what I wondered for this question? It's a very good question. I wonder whether if the sporting director is talking about being delighted that they've got an option to buy in the contract, I have a sneaky suspicion that the option to buy would have been pre-arranged before the contract and or, or at the same time as their, their loan contract. Definitely, yeah. Do you think so? It, it won't be form-based? 
no, the, form based purchase price. Oh, you mean uh, in terms of the price? Yeah. Yeah, I think the pro- I don't know this. I really don't know. It, it genuinely could be either. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But they said that the last thing I read about it was that they said that they'd start talks in November. They've got a lot of time during the World Cup to get it sorted out. So we might know more during this winter break. But I do wonder whether if you're talking about how happy you are to have the option to buy. Uh, and that it's there. I wonder if they've got that all already sorted pre, you know, pre-contract. And and he scored. What's he scored? He got something like two goals and three assists in 30 appearances last season. So if they did set the purchase price at that time, then it's probably very affordable. You know, it's going to be one to two million, isn't it? Sort of very Austrian Bundesliga levels. But I think Lask, I think Lask need to go for it. Really, you, you mentioned his form being sort of tied into their form. Lask actually won five of their first six games and then won two of their next ten. So, so they've like low key dropped off really badly. And I think they needed that point in their last game against Sturm to be, avo- you know, to to avoid sort of being dragged into this top six place battle because mm. yeah Kubau will be quite concerned but I think Nakamura is still playing very well Lubicic still playing very well on the whole he was very quiet in the game that I saw him uh, recently but I think they need to you know it's it's they've got a new stadium coming up can't wait to visit that in February and I think they need this like statement signing to say you know what a top scorer is staying they lost so many good scorers over the the last few years um you know Raguz and the likes of him and they had Joao Klaus remember those days Joao Vitor uh, those players leaving uh, they need to hold on to somebody, and this is a side who's only kept one clean sheet this season, so they really need to hold on to their strikers if they can. The bottom half of the top six, Rapid fourth, VSK fifth, Klangvert sixth. Um, Rapid, they'll be pretty relieved, won't they, to be up in fourth by the end of the winter break? It's been a, a very trying season for, for those of a Rapid persuasion. You obviously started it on a, a terrible note with the the embarrassing loss to Vaduz in the Conference League qualifiers. Then you had a pretty turbulent time, which ultimately led to, to Ferdinand Feldhofer losing his job. Zoran Barisic, the sporting director, took over in a sort of interim role. And I think they've really sort of come into their own. You asked earlier, Tom, which teams are perhaps, has this, this, this long winter break come at the wrong time for? I would argue Rapid would be right at the top of that list. They've taken 10 points from their last four games. They're starting to look like they're sort of setting into their stride, settling into their stride under under Barisic. And uh, yeah, I don't really know how high their ceiling is because they're such an inconsistent team, but they're, they're certainly looking better than they were a few weeks ago. Do you guys think the Feldhofer dismissal was the right call? I mean, we all saw it coming. I think when there's a secret at Rapid, it's somehow very open, isn't it? You know, we, we all know it's going to happen, this... Uh, this big unspoken thing. And I was there actually at Reed for the first time ever when they lost 1-0. Try as they might, created chance after chance, didn't score, conceded one, penalty, classic. <laughs> Monshine scored ex-Austria Vienna forward. Uh, they lose 1-0 and you just knew he wasn't going to see out the rest of the weekend. But I'm still not actually sure, even with the upturn under Zoran Barisic, I'm not sure if it was the right decision. I'd be interested to, to hear what you I think. I think it was. I think after that... Uh infamous defeat in the Europa League qualifying. I think he should have been sacked then because you can't come back from a blow like that, particularly a club as proud as Rapid Vienna. And then losing three on the bounce, including it's Austria Vienna in the league. Um, It's, you know, losing it's Reed, who at the time I believe were 11th in the table, losing against Austria Vienna as well at home. You know, I mean... I think Reed were even last, actually, when they beat them. Yeah, yeah. So it's a lot to come back for. And I mean, looking at the results since, I mean, you know, it seems it was the right decision. And, and, and the players seem, seem to be playing for, for Zoran Barisic. So, yeah, I think it was, it was an excellent call. They should have made, But they should have made it earlier, in my opinion. Do you agree, Lee? 
think it was the right decision, but it's hard to know how they progress forward as a club now because you've got a, a sporting director who's in an interim coach role. What happens if he continues? I mean, I presume they'll find somebody over the winter break, but he's he's obviously been got them on a good run of form now. Would they be tempted to stick with that? Because it's kind of really hard, been really hard to come by for, for rapid managers in recent times to get this team consistently getting results. Maybe he takes on some kind of dual role where he is the, what they call it, the, the English's model, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, do they call it that? Yeah, yeah, the, um, the head coach and the sporting director rolled into an old-fashioned manager. Maybe they just made me the, maybe they just make Barisic the manager. Let's get a player manager as well. It's just... Yeah, which we are about. He's, <laughs> he's always who I think of when, uh, yeah. when I think of player the, managers. The 90s Italians, great player managers. Um, I still think, maybe this is controversial after what you've said, because you all made a lot of sense there, but I feel like they should have stuck with Ferdinand Feldhofer, actually. I feel like if they did their due diligence properly... And they decided they obviously had good reasons for Feldhofer, not just that he headed them to a league title once, but, you know, they had good reasons for him. Why not give him a go? You know, it's sort of his reputation is absolutely tanked now as a manager. Look at what Arsenal have done with Mikel Arteta and stuff. You know, they lost their first three games of last season and everyone was talking about, like, oh, Arsenal are going to be relegated. And now look at them this year. I'm not going to say they're going to win the Premier League this year, but look at them. It's, it takes some time, you know. And if you had a philosophy for hiring Ferdinand Feldhofer, why not give him time to put that philosophy in place? Make some mistakes. It's difficult at Rapid, but this is almost, for me, why these big clubs in Austria struggle, because they're too tied down to their their history that they can't accept three defeats in a row. Like you said, of course it's not what anyone wants, but they can't accept three defeats in a row. Um, they can't accept uh, an embarrassing Europa exit. But the smaller clubs, they can ride out those kind of things. And in the end, maybe you make something better out of that. And Feldhoff had a, a policy of sort of trying to play with, with young players. And yes, it wasn't really working this season, but I would have been interested to see how long, you know, if he could have turned something around. And unless there's an amazing alternative on the table, which at the moment there isn't, I think why not give him to the end of the year and see, see what, what he can do? I do understand what you mean, but I was at that conference league game against Vaduz and I've not... Um, previously felt an atmosphere like that at an Austrian stadium. It was genuinely like poisonous. There was such like venom and like yeah dissatisfaction outside the ground. Uh, it was a really nasty atmosphere and I feel that when you've got like the biggest fan base in a country by far, it's very difficult to sort of have that patience and persistence with a coach even if there are legitimate arguments for giving him the time. I do agree but I think therein lies the problem for Rapid Vienna and, and maybe Austria Vienna and maybe Sturm in the last few years as well because once your fans turn on you it's, it's very 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 difficult to survive you know once the fans turn on not just the manager the board the players anybody once the fans turn against you it's like they sort of run the club in a way or they, they put enough pressure on that they really have a big effect on, on decisions and it's not necessarily the right call that the fans should have that much pressure maybe that's a controversial take I don't know but you know, if you've got, I think clubs that succeed have an overarching philosophy from somebody and they follow it to the, you know, they put it before anything else. And if the club did their due diligence properly, going back to what I said earlier on Feldhofer, if they believed that he was the right man to hire in the first place, surely they had some reason for that. And therefore that should be the thing that they follow over at all, all else. You know, really, he wasn't there that long. He was there 11 months. That's not a long time. I, I do see what you mean, but there's also just the distinct possibility that they realised that they made a mistake, and even though their reasons were valid in the first place, they then subsequently felt that he just wasn't the man. Yeah, you do want to see you do want to see coaches, especially young coaches, given that time. But I think uh, I think it had just turned so sour, I couldn't see a way back. 
I understood their decision in that sense as well. And although I thought they should have stuck with him, you know, that means the club have made, like you say, they're essentially admitting a big mistake. And that means they've made mistake after mistake after mistake. And they're really, really struggling. Um, nonetheless, they won a few games. They did well under Barisic in the end uh, there. They won three, drew one, lost one, and got a big win away in the cup as well in his last five games uh, since he took over. Burgstall has now suddenly started scoring goals. He's up to 10, which is the second highest in the Bundesliga. Um, he was asked in an interview, Barisic, about Burgstaller. He was saying, you know, has it all paid off? Is it all really good? And he said straight-faced, basically like, no, I'm very disappointed in him. And the journalists laughed. And he was like, no, he should have scored far more goals than he has scored. I'm disappointed with him. And I basically agree with that because Burgstaller has scored 10 and probably missed like seven or eight really good chances. And actually, Rapid have missed 30 big chances in the Bundesliga this season. That's the second highest tally only Salzburg have missed more. Rapid have created loads. They've missed a lot, basically. And that suddenly did sort of start to turn around under Barisic. And that also made me wonder whether there was a little bit of, or, or a lot, actually, of bad luck for Ferdinand Feldhofer in that the chances were there anyway under Feldhofer. They just weren't going in. And a couple of times we went to watch them and they, they just had chance after chance after chance and they didn't score. And it was just the, the familiar story of their season. They just, just didn't do it. But, you know... That's how it is. They've got the most fouls per game as well, statistically speaking, which is not making them a particularly good side to watch. But they've also conceded the most penalties by mile. Five penalties they've conceded. And that cost them, especially in the game, um, like I said, against Reed, where they, you know, they just conceded one penalty and that was like Reed's only chance. They lost that game 1-0. And that's uh, the margins that decide football games. Any positives for Rapid before we move on to the other two teams? I think uh, the fact that we're, we're moving on to VSK to roll next is quite funny because in Rapid has, has absolutely pumped them 5-0 and 4-1 this season in the League and Cup. But in the league, VSK to roll are having a wonderful time at the moment. <laughs> yeah, bogey team, isn't it? last thing I want to say about Rapid is that Jonas Auer, I thought, has been a good, good player for them this season. If I'm going to end on a positive note, Jonas Auer has created nine chances. His crossing has been great this season. He's created the most chances for teammates, I think, more than anybody else in the Bundesliga this year. And... Uh, yeah, he's been good because they've sold a lot of good players over the last few years. They've sold or let go of a lot of good players and they're paying the price for it. Uh, VSK, they'll be, like, as, as you said, they'll be delighted to be uh, in the top six. They've got the same record as Rapid, won seven, drawn three, lost six. They've scored 27 and conceded 26, which makes them both uh, very balanced and quite exciting, I suppose. But um, I like them. They're third highest in the XG stats as well. I do love my XG and they've got uh, 27.9, which is third, and they've scored 27 goals. So they're also pretty much bang on. I think, you know, we're having that conversation there about whether it was the right decision ultimately to sack Ferdinand Feldhofer. You go right to the other end of the scale in terms of longest serving managers (laughs) in the Bundesliga (laughs) and you land at Thomas Silberberger, who just comes across as a really nice and likeable guy. But he's also doing a great job. And I I think back to the Rapid Vienna game we went to a couple of years ago against VSG Tirol and we left saying they are the worst Bundesliga team we've seen. (laughs) But they really were. They were terrible. I mean, not blaming Art squarely on him, but Stefan Meyerhofer up front and it was all going through him and it wasn't good. And now I feel like they, they belong in the Bundesliga. I feel like even though, you know, you want a tradition steep club like Vaca Innsbruck to, to still be there, like this club from Innsbruck really do deserve their place. And well, from, um, from Vattens, I suppose. Yeah, I, sp- I suppose, in te- technically speaking. <laughs> they've got some, they've just got some really good players. You know, they've, they've consistently loaned a striker from a young striker from a Serie A club the last few seasons. 
I don't feel Nick Preletz is as good as the two that, that went before him, but he scored at the weekend. Valentino Muller with an absolutely lovely goal. They're quite dynamic going forward, good on the counter, lots of skillful players, really working as a team and, and doing it on a really low budget. So I'm a, I'm a big VSG Tyrol fan. I was uh, very impressed but by seeing them in person for the first time in you know, a, a few weeks and months. And uh, yeah, they just are a brilliant attacking team full of young, fun players. And I think uh, that they will definitely be in, in the top six. And as it stands with uh, four wins on the last five, they're looking very, very good. And the second form team in the league, I believe, after Salzburg. And they will not want the winter break to happen. <laughs> Just to share with you, Tom, an observation that, that Simon and I made at the, at the VSG Tyrol game. I'm not sure if we're thinking of the same one. You're, you're laughing there. But at the stadium, right, there weren't too many fans. I don't know what you... I think it was about 2,000, wasn't yeah. there? But in, in, the, like, the, the ter- in terms of the staff around the stadium, we accidentally walked into the VIP area trying to find out where we oh, were going. Oh, yeah, accidentally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, we tried to sneak in but there were so many staff there like the staff to fan ratio at that stadium it was like it's like one to two or something it was it was mad there were so many staff not so many fans they don't really fill out that stadium but I I think if you're looking for an Austrian team to support they've got my love and I think you should watch them too how far away is Vattens from Innsbruck it's about 40 minutes or something isn't it so it's a pretty substantial journey for you know, for a home game in inverted commas. So it's sort of understandable that it looks a bit barren when they've been forced to move to this much, much bigger stadium. And I, for one, wish that they could play their games at the Gernot Langes Stadion. Yeah, unfortunately, the people around the stadium there, I can't allowing it, so... Um, yeah, for the foreseeable future, at least. So yeah, is it, they're going to neighbours. Yeah, because the neighbours. Yeah, it's the classic Austrian problem of uh, oh. yeah the next door neighbours. Despite the fact that that stadium's been there since I believe 1950, if I remember the Bundesliga article I wrote is correct, 1950, and they move next to a football stadium and don't appreciate that if this club grows, they have to build up that football stadium. So it's a shame. But like um, being in the Tivoli Stadion holds about 16,000, I believe. There's about 2,000 fans there. They, they tried to make a good atmosphere. It, it was a good atmosphere wasn't it but um yeah it's it's not the best environment to see this you know excellent young team who if they were playing at home would be playing in a believe a four and a half five thousand seat stadium it'd be probably more than half full because they would be in their hometown rather than Innsbruck so yeah it's just one of those things but they played it in the cup there against Rapid and um it looked pretty cool so if they play in the again in the cup because in the cup you can play there yeah, maybe the next time they play, though, we should uh, pop down and visit. I, I really wanted to get to that Rapid game. That was Barisic's first game in charge of Rapid, actually, this year. His third spell in Rapid, at Rapid. But, um, yeah, I really wanted to get down to that one. It would have been very good. But I think you could say for VSK Tirol, they've got to play their home and away games in Innsbruck because of their neighbours. So that's two Australian soaps rolled into uh, one sentence there. That's, uh, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but some, something, maybe. I don't know. Any other soaps you can get in there? Or, or shall I just... So I just be quiet. I think time to segue on to Austria Klagenfurt. Now, yes, let's do it quickly. They've got Marcus Pink, top goal scorer in the league. They've won six, drawn three, lost seven. They're an absolutely crazy team. Uh, talking about teams who are high and low in the tables, where are Austria Klagenfurt in the uh, away table? Very high, I would say. They're very good. Um, I would say second or third. They're fourth, okay. but like very close. So that's very good. They've won four, drawn two, lost two. And where are they in the home table? Oh, tanking it, I would say uh, eighth. Tenth. Ooh. Tenth in the home table, fourth in the away table. But, you know, in the top six, just about. Only one point ahead of uh, Austria-Vienna, but very, uh, very commendable effort from Austria-Klagenfurt. Can I contribute an even more shocking statistic? 
Yes. So those of you out there in the podcast world that have been listening to us over the past year will know that we regularly talked about Austria Klagenfurt's disciplinary record last season. And uh, what was his name? Gamici Bazi, their player, their, their walking red card that they had that just got sent off all the time. So they had more red cards than anybody in the league last year. It was about 12 or 13 in the end. We are, well, we are halfway through the season now, aren't we? And they have not had a single red card. So does that mean that Gamici Bazi was the problem? All along, was he the sole problem, or has Peter Packot realised that it's more helpful to win football matches if you have more players on the pitch? I'm, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I tell you what, Lee, we're going to take a break in just a minute before we look at the bottom six. Um, we're going to go away and we're going to Google how many red cards Tuguard Gamici Bassi has got for Cashing Bassa this season. Because he's on loan, he's coming back. <laughs> yeah. And Peter Packard must be tearing his metaphorical, I think he's bald, isn't he? His, his metaphorical hair out of the prospects of yeah. Kimichi Bazzi coming back and getting sent off again. The, the Klagenfurt have just been absolute beasts from two things, set pieces and late goals. They've got 10 goals from set pieces this season, which is a huge figure. It's an astronomical figure. And Nicholas Wimmer, talking about bald players, Nicholas Wimmer always seems to be there to pop up with crucial goals at the last time. And uh, I, I like this stat as well. It's their top scorer, their top assister, sorry, uh, Shinan Kavaina, has provided five assists, all for Marcus Pink. And I'm loving seeing Marcus Pink, who's uh, scored 12 times from his expected goals of 8.7. So he's having a proper renaissance with 12 goals, leading the Bundesliga. What an effort. Something nice about seeing a man whose surname is Pink play in an almost pink coloured shirt as well. <laughs> Purple, pink. Yeah, they're the same. They're the same colour, aren't they? All right, I'll, I'll go with colour. I'm, I'm maybe colour blind to be to be to be confirmed. <laughs> Purple patch as well. Yeah. Yeah. Purple patch for pink. Oh, yeah, oh, that's great. That's, that should be our headline for a lot of things. Purple patch for pink. Yeah, uh, he's done very well. We're going to go away and take a break. We'll come back in just a moment with some uh, chat for the bottom six teams in the Bundesliga. Okay, so we're back for some bottom six banter, I suppose. Um, we did promise you before the break that we'd tell you how many red cards that Turgut Gamici Bassi's got for Cashing Passa this year. I'm disappointed to announce that the answer is none. He's got two yellow cards and he's played only six times. So he's, he's had a fringe role, but he's yet to be sent off. So, you know, round of applause for him for that. Um, the bottom six looks like this, guys. Austria Vienna, Lustenau, Wolfsburg, Altac, Reed. And then bringing up the rear, Hartberg. Let's start with Austria-Vienna. They're top of the bottom six. They're one point outside of the top six where they'll really need to be in the new year. Um, but they do have a three-point penalty, which they've already taken. So technically, they could be counted as a top six team in terms of their points tally. Uh, they should be ahead of at least Klagenfurt. But uh, truth is, they're not. They had a crap European campaign and they're seventh in the league. And, and the sort of positivity of the the early part of the season seems to have drained away a little bit doesn't it i still feel that they're on the right path given their very limited financial means i think manfred schmidt is the right man to be uh, taking the reins there as you said tom if they hadn't had that three-point deduction they'd be on the right path they they set a, a very welcome record this season by um going 10 away games uh, unbeaten against rapid vienna which no team has <laughs> ever done before they they won to bring to an end that interminable run of 1-1 draws in, in Vienna derbies. And I think on the whole, they've got a lot to be, be positive about. It's just they're operating in this very financially limited environment where there's just no money in the club. And I think that tells sometimes. I like that you mentioned the derby because they've, the derby is just mad. 
the, the, you know, Rapid against Austria, like, I feel like Austria are, are trading off this a little bit, though, because in their last 12 matches in all competitions, they've only beaten Rapid in the derby and Altac. That's the only two wins they've got in their last 12. So they're also pretty much in free fall. But the derby obviously papers over a lot of cracks because it means a lot to a lot of the fans. The fans want Manfred Schmidt to stay. Schmidt has been having second thoughts in recent months because I think he's fully aware of the situation and how difficult it is. He's definitely not got an easy job and he's definitely doing a decent job. But I felt like at the start of the season, they were relying on young players and it looked like the future was quite bright. And I guess that still holds true. You know, I, I stick to my own principles there. A few months doesn't change that. But it has been a very difficult few months. And, you know, they lost to Venus Sport Club in the cup. That's pretty pretty lamentable going out to, to Venus Sport Club. Their European campaign was was another turgid campaign, you know, like they didn't have a particularly difficult group aside from Villarreal, who I, I wouldn't have expected them to get anything off. And the fact that they just basically got hammered by Lech Poznan and Hapuel Beersheva, it doesn't fill me with confidence going forward. The only thing that makes me feel good about them is, is looking at some of their players. Yeah, it, it's definitely a, a squad on, on the younger side. For me, that their last game against Wolfsburg at say, who had lost five games in a row, and then go to the Generali and pick up a win. I mean, it's kind of, you know, against a team who have lost five in a row, you, you know, would think you would get some points there. And just to, to lose that game, I think that's a real kick in the teeth, particularly in the last game before the winter break as well. They could have signed off uh, on a much more positive note, as the two teams below them did. But... I mean, Dominic Fitz, you have to say Dominic Fitz is sort of leading the team at the moment. Six goals, five assists. He's top of the team in both metrics. That's a, a very decent effort. Uh, Andreas Gruber, they're signing from Lask. Four, four goals, three assists. Also second in both metrics. I think young players like uh, Matthias Braunerder, he's only 20. He's looked technically fantastic this season. So there are some positives for Austria Vienna. And I guess the big positive is, although they did lose that last day match to, to VRT, they are still, they're going to be right there in the mix for the top six. And they've still got time to get themselves in the top six. You know, they're, they're, they're very, very close. Austria Lustenau. Anybody got some, some facts or stats, some interesting things to say about the, the newcomers? I forget sometimes that they're promoted. They, they blend into the Bundesliga so well, so quickly, but they're the new boys this season still. Of course, this weekend in, in Vorarlberg, it, it was the, the big Vorarlberg derby match between Austrialist now and Altac. The apple juice derby. The apple juice derby, as Lee likes to call it. And they won 3-0 in a, a wonderful win, which now means uh, they've now got six of their 18 points, 33% of all their points this season against Altac, which I think they'll be very, very happy about. Keeping it in Vorarlberg. So, so they might not be doing brilliantly, but they're, they're kings of Vorarlberg at least. Yeah, and just in a couple of other stats, which I think are, are quite interesting. They took 10 points of those 18 from their first five games. Um, and that was the best opening start in five games of any promoted team since the, the league was reformatted when we started doing the pod in 2018. 2018 or 19? It was 2018. We started in 2018, yeah. yeah. 2018. And when you think about some of the promoted teams in that time, you know, you had Klagenfurt having a very good first season. You had some other teams as well, the likes of, I think, Hartberg had a very good first season as well. Um, so they, they, they started really strongly. And then they went on the longest winless run of any Bundesliga team this season. Ten games. No other team has, has, has had that. And then they ended that with this win over Altax. So it's, it's kind of really hard to place where their season is. But I do like watching them and I like their style of football. Um, I, I saw a, a stat earlier that 15 of their goals have come from short passing moves, which is only surpassed by Salzburg. 
uh, who have 17. And I think that kind of shows that they're quite an intricate football team. I really like watching Brian Tashira go forward. And I think they'll probably be okay, ultimately. I think they've got enough quality to stay in the league. Going back to what I said earlier about the, the, the league becoming weaker, do you not think it's mad that you have Austria-Vienna who've won two games of the last 12 in all competitions? You've got Austria-Liston now who had the longest winless run of the season and you have Wolfsburg at Atze who lost five games in a row and those are the three teams who are top of the bottom half of the table. <laughs> they're closest. Like, isn't that insane? Sense. You're right, they're, they're still very close. They're still on the coattails of Lask, of uh, Klagenfurt, sorry, Rapid, VSG and, and Co. So, yeah, no, you, you've got a point there and... Uh, Lustenau also lost to VSC, uh, Wiener Sport Club, in the cup as well. So, uh, you know, hats off to Wiener Sport Club here, by the way, because their cup run has been very, very good. But Brian Teixeira, who you mentioned, Lee, six assists and six goals, tied first for the highest goalscorer contribution in the Bundesliga. What an effort for the French slash Cap Verdean player, Cape Verde International. Can I bring in a little bit of trivia on that note? Do it. I'm terrible at trivia, as we already know from this episode and every other episode ever, but yes... I saw earlier that um, for the first time since 2003 to 2004, more than half the goals scored in the Bundesliga so far have been scored by foreigners. And there's a whole range of nationalities, 39 different nationalities that are, have played in the Bundesliga this season. I've, I've picked out three of the most obscure ones. Like this, so like you, this. There's only two now because you identified Brian Teixeira okay. as being from Cape Verde. I'm going to name two other nationalities and you've got to try and name the player from that country. <laughs> oh, yeah, OK. Right. One, because I think it's achievable for both of you. Okay. And the other one, because I really like his name. Um, so Luxembourg. It's an Austria-Vienna player. Um, Martins? Marvin Martins. Marvin Martins. Marvin Martins. Yeah, yeah. Marvin Martins. Good going. Uh, the other one... Oh, no, it's on me now, because Simon's got that one. Well done, Simon. The other one, I can, I can give you um, a clue if you want. He is from... Can we play some Jeopardy music? Here's uh, a countdown. Well, something. you can do that. You're the editor. <laughs> he, he's, his name is Ulivez Belash. Uh, spell it for me. Oh, shit, I told you the name. I didn't tell... Well, you can guess the club now, then. Uh, uh, and the country. <laughs> yeah. Um... B-E-L-L-A-C-H-E. And the reason I like his name is because if you change the first E for an A, it would be Ball Lake. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Um, is he from, I, I don't know, like uh, Suriname? No. Is he from, am I miles away with that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Belash. It but, sounds remotely French. Um, Good guess, but it's, um, uh, it's, 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 it's in Africa. In, in Northern Africa, to narrow it down. Northern Africa, French-speaking country. I've not picked the most obscure country. Okay. I've picked it because his name sounds like Borlake, just to be clear. <laughs> okay. Um, Algeria? Yeah, it is. Oh, Algeria. oh, yeah, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> very good. Back to Austria-Lusenau. Uh, Brian Teixeira's been very good. Anderson's been very good as well. So he's been part of their, their good form. and, and their, Well, not, not necessarily good form, but, but being good to watch. You know, four goals, three assists. He's only 24 years old. Um... They were unbeaten in four games at the end of the season. That's one positive for them. Three draws and one win. So they've got an upturn of form at the end after not winning since like August. Uh, I think that's absolutely crucial for them to, to have beaten Altac on the last day. They really needed that going into a three-month break. Otherwise, it would have been like, you know, six months since they've got a win. 
if I was an Austria Listenau fan and I, I'd gone 10, 10 games without a win and then beat my local rivals, I'd be feeling pretty bloody happy going into the winter break. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all yeah. about, you know, perspective uh, and, and the, the, the moment that you're at, you know, it's a great moment to freeze it for three months. You're an Everton fan. You're used to 10-game winless runs. Uh, a lot longer than that, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> Particularly against Liverpool. We've got a question relating to Listenau before we move on. So Rare Austria, so rare Austria Astro uh, asked earlier about Salzburg being weaker, but he also asked whether Lustenau are kind of like Klagenfurt, impressive on their debut. Are they here to stay? And I think by the way that we've sort of gushed about Lustenau in the last few minutes, we're probably going to say yes, aren't we? Are they here to stay? It depends what you mean. Are they going to put together a five-year stay in the Bundesliga like Hartberg? I'm not so sure. But are they going to stay in the league this season? I think so. I think so as well. And the fan atmosphere there is fantastic. Like when we went to Lustenau, obviously the caveat that it was when they got promoted, so it was a big party. But uh, the atmosphere there and the fan scene is fantastic. I think it, they're a great addition to the Austrian Bundesliga. And having a Vorarlberg derby is always a fun occasion. It is, even if it's blooming miles away for us. Particularly if you're a Lustenau fan this yeah. season. <laughs> that, that choreo, that fan choreo for their last game against Lustenau was amazing. All these pillars and... Lee, can you describe it better than me? Because if somebody posted about it, so they, they must have seen it better than I can. That I, should be me. I believe the Austria Lustenau uh, Twitter page said if, if the British Museum saw this, they, they would try and take it. Which, <laughs> as free Brits, I thought was very, very, very funny. Yeah, that was good fun. It was on the nose for us. Yeah, it's sort of uh, a guy in a, what do you call that? It's a tunic with, who looks a, a bit toga? like- Yeah, toga. He looks a bit like an angry Hagrid from Harry Potter with green eyes. Yeah. A Roman emperor, maybe. Is it Hades? I don't know, but there are three pillars, four pillars each side, and it is, is a very impressive choreo. Lovely stuff. Um, moving down to VRC, another club who will be absolutely delighted that they won their last game before the long, long winter break, because they won four out of five, and then lost five in a row. What an up and down run that was for VRC. After a horrible start to the season, they then bounced back quickly and then, you know, fell down again. But crucially, they beat Austria Vienna last day of the season. They go in on a positive at least. Yeah, I find it quite funny that uh, in our last pod, I believe Wolfsburg were in a fantastic run. Yeah. <laughs> and in, in the meantime, they've been on a terrible run. And now we do a pod and they've won their last game. So I find that quite funny. But yeah, it's an interest, they've had an interesting season. And I can't really work out how that's happened. Like, uh, well, what do you guys think? Their goals per game is third in the Bundesliga. That's unbelievable. They've almost scored two goals a game. That, what does that say about their defence? Like one, they're another team with one clean sheet all season. That says a lot. You know, they, they've just been they've been the crazy team this is what i expected vsk tirol to be but vsk tirol just keep picking up wins and don't end up you know they, they never have a bad run or a good run vsk tirol they just keep winning occasionally and losing occasionally vrc are just having runs negative or positive it's, it's strange yeah i think in the trigger happy business of football i'm kind of surprised that robin Dutt is still in this job because we obviously started doing this podcast at a time where wolfsburg were high flying and overachieving in europe uh, regularly, you know, they pulled off some really big wins there. And he's been in place since the summer of 2021. And I really think they've taken a, a significant step backwards in that time. And maybe that is a reflection of the fact that they overachieved so much in the last couple of years. And this is really where a club with their means should be at. But I also think that, you know, when you've seen those highs, it's a little bit disappointing that they are where they are now. It definitely is. They're actually bottom of the home table 
one win at home all season, one draw, six defeats, bottom of the home table. And I think that puts pressure on even quicker than away defeats because, you know, this is in front of everyone. This is where your fans are. Um, we're going to go down there in the new year because it's the only ground, although we've visited many times, we've never seen a live match there. It's the only ground we're yet to see a live match at because uh, Wolfsburg's previous European games have always been played elsewhere. So we'll go down there to the uh, to the worst place in the home form table next year and hopefully we'll bring them some luck but yeah they're an interesting team definitely Ty Baribo still playing well Maurice Malone four goals Baribo seven Baribo went on a long run I think four or five games scoring every game in a row um, and they're just they're just a strange team they've conceded as much you know, as many goals as anybody else 34 goals conceded that's the, the the top of the Bundesliga conceded a lot and scored a fair amount they've actually got an XG of 21 and scored 29 so they're just they're very strange. Um, Altac, the, the other side of the Farrarburg derby, they're down in 10th. How are Altac doing? They've also conceded 34 goals. So they're in 9th and 10th. You've got the worst defences in the Bundesliga. What about Altac? They're, they're another one who've had sort of good runs and bad runs. Yeah, their run's kind of a bit different because they seem to be doing quite well against the teams immediately around them and then terribly against everybody else. So they're in the bottom four and the other three teams in the bottom four, Wolfsburg, Reed and Hartberg, um, Altac have beaten all of those this season, but they've only picked up five points against the other eight clubs, which kind of tells you that I, I think when there's that step up in quality, they really just can't cope at the moment. They've obviously got a coach who is essentially a big name, but a novice in Miroslav Klose. And, you know, I think it, it, we've seen uh, from, from elite football in sort of the, the Premier League in recent years that naming a big name player as your coach isn't necessarily the right step I think he will be given the time excuse me Lee <laughs> sorry Frank Lampard um, I think he will be given the time to, to sort of find his feet a little bit but you know he is this is very much his first senior head coach role and you can tell I guess I think the, the positive that I've got for Altat this season is two things obviously Adi Nuhiu massive positive eight goals already very good effort for the Kosovan, who I thought might come up in your in your list of slightly obscure goal-scoring countries. But I think six of those are headers, and the record ever in the Bundesliga for headers in a season is not much higher than that. So he's got a great chance of, of winning a, a niche stat of, of being the, the highest amount of headers ever scored by one player in a Bundesliga season. But also, there's lone players at Altec. Altec always have some lone players, and they haven't been as effective in previous years, in my eyes, as they have been this year, because I think Alexis Tibidi, who we talked about on the last pod, has been very good. He's got five goals this season. And Forson Amanqua, I really like Forson Amanqua, who's on loan from Salzburg. He's got four assists, but just the way he plays is nice. I, I like what Forson Amanqua brings to the Altec attack. And I think if you compare them to last season... They've made a big step forward. They're still going to be in the relegation battle, in my eyes. It's still going to be tough for them. But last year, remember, they were the worst team in the Bundesliga, basically, for the whole season. And then just about escaped somehow, thanks to it. Because we were there on the final day. Because we were there on the final day, basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very late upturn. Somehow spared them. But I think this year they're... We are available for hire if you're struggling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll give you our bank details if you want us to come and see you and, uh, and, and end your losing runs. But no, I think, I think they're, in, they're in the battle this year. That they're... they're level they're close to the teams around them and I think that is actually a step forward for last year um Reed most red cards this season with five and scored 12 goals which is by some distance the the lowest in the Bundesliga how how about Esfar Reed P11 yeah I mean I, I I went to see them a few weeks ago and when they lost 3-2 to Altac and you know they, what a game that was though by the way they had their moments and there were some very good goals but 
I could feel the frustration among the fans. They do chop and change managers. They like a bit of that in Reed. They have had nine different coaches, although some of those have had two spells. Um, since the summer of 2020 when they got promoted. Since 2020? That is insane. I, I don't mean nine different names. I mean <laughs> Yeah, but nine changes. times the coaches. Yeah. Level That's that. still a lot. That's so yeah. many. That's so many. And uh, one, of our, one of our esteemed Twitter followers, uh, Gerald Emprechtinger, who I met for a beer when I was there, I saw him tweet the other day, um, essentially that he's, he's, I think it bothers him, and understandably so, that VSG Tirol, the team promoted the season before Reed, and Austria Klagenfurt, the team promoted the season after Reed, are doing so much better in almost every metric. Mm. And I think there's a lot of frustration in, in Reed right now. And, you know, if I had to call it, I think, I think they might go down this season. They've not quite found their feet as a Bundesliga team yet, have they? I've been critical of uh, Samuel Shahin Radlinger in the past. I think he's, he's like all flair, but like actually not that good. Can you be all flair as a goalkeeper? Yeah, but somehow you can. He's sort of famous in Austria and like he's a big personality and stuff. But actually, I think this season he's been incredible. I think this season he's been absolutely brilliant. Every time I've watched Reed, it's basically been like the Samuel Radlinger tips the ball away just about in some impressive athletic style uh, highlight reel. So I th- I've been very impressed with uh, Shahin Radlinger in goal. But can you uh, name how many goals has the Reed top scorer got? I'm going to go three. Oh. Lee? I would have also said three. It's uh, two. Oh. It is two goals. I was going to say two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Um, it's several players. Leo Mikic, Philip Palmer, and uh, Tin Plavatic and Saifuddin Chabi. All decent players, but they've all only got two goals for Reed. Several of those have been penalties as well. Um, Nutz, who's been amazing over the last you know 18 months in the Bundesliga... He's, he was like an assist king, Stefan Nutz. He's only got two this season as well. So they're really finding it hard to come by in the goals department. And that's basically, uh, Shahin Radling has kept them in games. So very much struggling um, with, with only 12 goals scored. That's just very hard to pick up points. But they've managed it more than Hartberg, who are bottom and have just fired coach Klaus Schmidt at the beginning of the winter break. Uh, Alex Marschat and Christian Grazai taking over. They were already in the trainer team at Hartberg for now. So, uh, you know, they'll be, they'll be stepping in. But it's probably no surprise that Schmidt's gone, is it? Six wins, seven draws, 15 defeats in his 28 games in charge. And uh, they are very much bottom of the Bundesliga. He's no Marcus Schopp, is he? Um, I think... Hard act to follow, in fairness. Very much so. I think Hartberg are a bit like what I talked about with Wolfsburg before, where they'll obviously be disappointed with where they are right now compared to what they achieved before, but was what they achieved before an anomaly. And I think in Hartberg's case, probably because they do have the smallest budget in the division, a tiny village club, five seasons in the Bundesliga is a huge achievement. And I don't think any of us would have said they're going to stay in the Bundesliga for half a decade when they got promoted. So, yeah, all in all, I think... Perhaps not so surprising that they are where they are. They remind me of like Grudig a few years ago coming up. And at the time, you're just like, oh, Grudig are in the Bundesliga. And then you look closely, and you're like, wait, Grudig are in the Bundesliga? That's amazing. And Hartberg are basically that club right now. So, yeah, it's been a great run. Um, long may it continue, hopefully, but it might be tough. Yeah, like um, looking at the table and the performances this season, I'm surprised that uh, he said that Esmael Reed are his favourites to be relegated because I think as it stands at the moment, TSV Hartberg are... They look pretty bad. 
And um, of looking pretty bad. You've just uploaded an absolutely shocking photo of me onto our Twitter feed. So, so thanks very much for that. That looks worse than the Hartberg shirt. What the, what the hell have you done there? Live feedback here on the pod. This is this is gold you don't get with every podcast. But that's that's an absolute <laughs> shocker. There. All right, I've deleted and uh, I'll take a, a new one. But uh, <laughs> those who saw it, those who saw it, it was a glimpse in time. It, it was a glimpse of time when Lee didn't look too good, but it's okay. <laughs> that ugly might have been why I posted it, but no, no, I'm, I'm joking. But um, no, I mean, Harburg is like a genuinely tiny did place. Did you put it on the Instagram? <laughs> I did not put it on the Instagram. Um, but yeah, Harburg is a tiny place and uh, they are truly a, a village club in every sense. They're a part of the community. Obviously, they've had a great run. They've had some wonderful times beating... Rapid Vienna be- beating Spermkratz uh, on multiple occasions. And in, in the a, league's best president. And the league's best, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. And also being in Europe as well. Although it was, it was only one match because of the pandemic, um, they still reached Europe, which is incredible. But I think um, something needs to change over the winter break, otherwise they're really in trouble. But as we know, that the points are halved, so, and yeah, as has happened many, many times in the past, you know, sh- sh- strange things happen at the bottom of the table. Yeah, so. a run of form come the end of the season, it would it would be enough. And if they do get relegated, then every time I won't have to write the Styrian derby will be great because my phone always auto-corrects it to the Syrian derby. <laughs> so that's just a little bonus that might come from them keeping their place in the division. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, on the negative side, they've conceded the highest XG in the Bundesliga with 33 which is, that's, that's quite a sizable XG. But uh, they've lost eight of their last 10 games, which is a terrible run. And they randomly beat Lask 3-0 in there, by the way. How weird was that result? But um, they've lost eight of their last 10. The positive I'll say for, for Hartberg is that almost all of those defeats have been very close. They only lost 1-0 to Salzburg recently, for example. We were talking about Salzburg not winning 4-5-0 like they're used to all the time. They beat Hartberg 1-0, you know. Um, Hartberg is still in there. They're not getting battered week in, week out. Nobody is in the Bundesliga this year. And we felt like Altac were like dead and buried last season and they still came back. So compared to that, Hartberg's way back to, to survival this season is very much on. So yeah, they've got to change something. They're 12th at the moment. They probably deserve to be, but everybody is still pretty close down at the bottom. So it could be interesting come the end of the season. Can't wait for this uh, long, long break to be over. And we'll find out in a few games. It's a very tough restart, isn't it? You come back from winter, the long winter break, and then in like just a couple of weeks, it's decided, this crucial top six battle is decided. So looking forward to that. To finish off this podcast, uh, we've looked at the top six, we've looked at the bottom six. If you're still with us, thanks for making it through. You are a real trooper. Um, what else have we got to talk about? Because there's still other football going on uh, in some senses, aren't there? There's still some odd games going on. And we actually got one more question as well, which I'll come to later, about, about Liga 2. But um, where, where do we want to start with for this, this finale of the other Bundesliga podcast, end of 2022 edition? The Austrian women's team have beaten Slovakia 3-0. And this comes four days after beating Italy in Italy 1-0 so yeah it's uh, the Austrian women's team looking strong I'm gutted they're not at the World Cup me too me too they, they deserve to be at the World Cup honestly they deserve to be at the World Cup I, the, the World Cup playoff was so badly timed for them they got one away game in Scotland if that was a two-legged tie I'm confident they win it they got a one-legged tie they were knackered they didn't perform particularly well I think they deserve to be at the World Cup I'm, I'm 
I don't know what else to say. It's you know, a real I'm, shame. I'm, I'm very sad for them because I think, we, you know, in the men's game, we talk about golden generation all the time. I do wonder if this is the end of the Austria golden generation as well. My hope is that they've got another generation coming through um, because there's signs, there's, there, there are signs of a younger generation coming mm-hmm. through. But I'm very pleased to hear that they beat Italy and, you know, now that they've rolled over Slovakia as well. But um, yeah, just I'm just disappointed that we're not going to be able to fly out to Australia and New Zealand oh. and be like the, the, the Austrian, you know, the other women's Bundesliga Wait, podcast. Wait, we were doing that? <laughs> oh, come on, like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you have? Um, just, just reminds me the, the Women's Champions League continues during the winter break by the way the Women's yes. Bundesliga does not continue the Women's Champions League does continue <laughs> on the 22nd of December which is basically Christmas in Austria it's, it's basically Christmas Day <laughs> uh, St. Pilton have to rouse themselves for a game against Wolfsburg at home which looks very tough indeed yeah but I mean if you want to go far in the, in the uh, UEFA Women's Champions League you've got to play one of the best opponents and Wolfsburg are a huge name in women's football so if you fancy it Tom I'll, I'll join you on the 22nd of 22nd. December alright alright well yeah, <laughs> you've yeah. heard it here first I could be up for that I, ne- I so nearly went to the game against Roma but I just did a big travel the day before and afterwards so I couldn't do it and they played at home against Roma in their, in, in, in their first home game and they lost 4-3 it was an absolute yeah. thriller uh, what a shame what a shame uh, it's interesting that they mentioned Roma against an Austrian team in European competition because they, they've drawn Red Bull Salzburg of course in the Europa League uh, playoff which is the, the brand new name for <laughs> when the uh, third place teams from the Champions League play against the second place teams in the Europa League group stage and they draw Roma so Jose Mourinho come, and, come to Austria what do you guys make of that? Um, Salzburg, we've sort of penned them before as, as a potentially very good Europa League team if they drop down. Obviously, Salzburg do well in the Champions League, but it's like a little bit above their quality in terms of like reaching semi-finals and finals. They've got the potential to do that in the Europa League, but they've never done it before. Every time they've dropped down, they've gone out immediately. Is it going to be the same again? I was really hoping for an easy draw this year, and I looked at the list of teams who they could have drawn against. I was like, there's barely anybody easy in there. This is what the Europa League is these days. It's like a, a Champions League for big teams who have like underperformed in the Champions League, essentially. So it's a tough draw, but everyone was tough. I think if you're a good team unit and you're well-organised, then you can beat teams like Man United and Barcelona that have a lot of big names in terms of players and are big names themselves, but just not well-run or well-organised teams, really. I, I know that, that some people might disagree with that, but I, I, I could... think Cristiano Ronaldo would agree, mate. Yeah, <laughs> certainly would. But I, I could genuinely imagine um, Salzburg knocking out Roma and one, of those, one, one or more of those teams. I think it's possible, but as we said before, perhaps this isn't the, the greatest uh, Salzburg team that we've seen in the past few years. Yeah, I, I just really want that. And, and Austria need them to now in terms of the coefficient and stuff. You know, you know, Tom loves the coefficient. It's suddenly looking very, very close because nations like Turkey, I sort of have a, had a bit of a dig at Turkey online because all the fans of like Fenerbahce and stuff are like, oh, we do it for the nation. We love Galatasaray for the nation. It's like, no, you don't. You absolutely hate them. Like, you, you absolutely know you hate Besiktas. You hate Galatasaray. You hate all the other teams. But... They're like, oh no, we support them all. I'm like, mm, okay, I'll, I'll watch a game of like your rivals with you then and, and see how much you enjoy it when they win. But Turkey have kind of nailed it this season because 
they've got like all of their teams in the lower competitions. So they've got one team in the Europa League doing well and they've got everybody else, basically all their big teams like who could be in Champions League potentially. They're in the Conference League winning game after game after game. And so Turkey have like spammed points in a way that nobody saw possible. And that actually is putting Austria at threat. You know, we, we looked at the coefficient before the season and everyone was like, oh, they're too far away. Basically, everybody's too far away to, to threaten. It's not the case anymore because Austria have struggled and Turkey have done ridiculously well. So the whole, you know, Champions League place is, is up for grabs, I suppose. And we need Salzburg to start doing well, especially with Sturm's heartbreaking exit and Rapid getting knocked out by Vaduz. Which and Austria is looking, Vienna going out too. Yeah, but, you know, VFC failing to get there, Rapid failing to get there. That's ending up being fairly costly. It's not been a complete nightmare of a year for Austrian teams, but if Salzburg get knocked out in round, you know, the next knockout round by Roma... It will be a pretty big dent in the Austrian coefficient. Last thing on the agenda from my point of view, you may have more to add, but I'm very keen to get onto some long haul fish and chips, to be honest. <laughs> oh, so, me too, yeah. Um, the, the last thing to come back to what we alluded to earlier about Wiener Sport Club's incredible run to the, I think it's the quarterfinals now of the Cup. They are the only team outside the top tier in the last eight and they are the third tier i think it's been pretty incredible to knock out is it two bundesliga teams so far and austria vienna and lister now so we've got those games coming up well that's what's going to bring this incredibly long winter break to an end wolfsburg rapid vienna red bull salzburg Sturm graz which is you know the top two at the moment it's probably the the, the pick of the bunch um, Wiener sport club with a really is that a winnable game against reed i think it is that's a winnable game yeah Venus Sport Club? Yeah. The, yeah. At home to read. Oh, at home cup. again. Oh, yeah. they, both of their big wins have been at home so far, haven't they? Mm. Mm. And Lask, Austria, Klagenfurt, which could frankly, Lask, uh, Austria, Klagenfurt are away and you just don't know what could happen in that game. So That's the, the very last game, that one, at the Raiffeisen Arena, Pasching. Then they've got two away games in the Bundesliga and then, theoretically... Their, their home should be finished in time for the uh, the next Bundesliga game. And to those of you posing the question, ooh, could that be a chance for someone other than Salzburg to win a trophy? Salzburg have lost like one of their last 60 OFB Cup ties, so uh, knock, <laughs> knocking them out of this competition is, is not easy. And even when Sturm did it in the final a couple of years ago, they, it was in extra time. So, you know. Yeah, uh, one more thing. It was one question, actually. Alex Ho, can you give us a summary of Liga 2? And who has applied for promotion? The answer of promotion is a, tri- a tricky one because we won't know exactly about the licenses until spring. But if I look at who's at the top of the second division, I believe most of these clubs will actually be eligible and going for promotion, which makes a nice change from years gone by. You've got St. Poulton, the winter kings of the second division, as they call them in Austria, the Winterkönig. Um, St. Poulton with 32 points. Blauweiss Linz, champions a couple of seasons ago on 31. Champions who elected not to go up, interestingly. Uh, Horn on 30. Horn, who are like perennial last place team in the second division, who are really like in the running this year. Uh, Gia Carr, fourth. Floridsdorfer Adse, fifth. And first Vienna in sixth. So the big stories, I guess, are Lafnitz, who said that they were going to like withdraw from the second division after the season have now changed their mind and they're not going to apparently they've got a new sponsor and they're not going to withdraw admira who went down recently are very much struggling in mid-table st Poulton suddenly looking good again they've got this this guy Jaden montnor seven goals two assists uh, lewis hartnick eight goals three assists looking very good um, so they're, they're pretty good but the the outstanding player is uh, matthias seidel from blauweiss Linz. 
the big name. And I think Blavai students are applying for promotion because in an interview, basically, Blavai said, the Blavai uh, sporting director was like, look, we're not going to be able to hold him, Matthias Seidel this is, unless we get promoted. Uh, you know, we, we need to get promoted to hold on to Matthias Seidel. He's going to go to a Bundesliga club. He's 21 years old. He played for Kuchel in the regional league very recently. Now he's at Blavaistens. He scored 12 and got four assists in his 15 games or 16 games now. Um, that's very, very impressive. Matthias Seidel tearing up league as far. So Blavaistens looking good. And uh, all the second teams, Rapid, Sturm, Austria and Salzburg, all of their second teams struggling down in the bottom six. But uh, Karim Konate, nonetheless, a young player, Ivorian, uh, who's 18 years of age, 10 goals, no assists, but 10 goals. He's looking good for leafering. So... That's what's going on in League as far, basically. St. Poulton leading. Could they be back in the Bundesliga? I reckon they're applying for promotion. I think Blauweiss are applying for promotion. Horn, I've got no idea, but probably. Giaka, again, no idea, but probably. Um, and then, yeah, that's probably all the teams we need to, f- to focus on. It looks like they will be going for it. Blauweiss students have my vote because if any team, as they did two years ago, celebrates winning the league with a, a trolley full of tinnies on the pitch afterwards, mm-hmm. then... And I'm, I'm fully on board to see you know, that. They've also won the league. Like They have a good argument for being in the Bundesliga. They've, they've earned their place there. It's so hard. And I mentioned like Horn are normally bottom of the league and now they're doing well. This The opposite applies. You know, like Liefering have been really close many years and now this year they're miles away. So it's, it's hard for Blavis-Lentz. They won the league that one year, but that doesn't mean you're going to be top two or three next year. So if they got back up and they won again, that would be really, really good. Um, and, you know, talking about celebrating with, with loads of beers, Shall we celebrate the end of this pod with another round of beers at the long haul? Or, or has anybody got anything else to add before we sign off? I think that's all it from this, this bumper edition. We'll try, we'll endeavour to pod a little bit more regularly in the new year. We will try. Our, our busy lives have, uh, have sort of taken a hit on our podcasts this year. But this one, um, we've got it done. We're finished. It's been great to have you with us. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope you can survive through the long, long winter break in Austria. It's not as if there's other important international football to keep you busy, is it? Oh, of course, there is the World Cup. So enjoy that if you choose to watch it. If you don't, we respect that as well. And uh, thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast. Goodbye from us. We'll see you in 2023. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. That's extremely helpful to us. We also have a Patreon page if you wish to chip in a few euro each month to help us out. That's over at patreon.com forward slash other Bundesliga. Special thanks go to Gabriel Geber at Torn Geber Studios for this lovely music and also to the Gentleman Creatives for their other Bundesliga logo artwork.